A big hello to our College Metropolis community. This is Anthony welcoming you to episode number 30. On this episode, we will go over a very important step you will take as a high school student who is planning to go to college. This is something you should do during the junior year. That is, narrowing down the list of colleges to which you want to apply by selecting only colleges that are a good fit for you. We will talk about how to make sure the list is well balanced, meaning that it has three types of schools. Schools to which getting admitted is a stretch, schools to which you will possibly be admitted, and schools that will surely grant you admission. There is a lot on this episode that you will find interesting and valuable. We will go over admissions data for Occidental College in Pasadena, California, and will tell you how a student can determine his or her chances for admission there. You will be able to use that information to find out your own chances for admission into any college. Lastly, we will share with you another step you should take in the junior year, attending college fairs, which for now you can do online. We will let you know where you can go to participate in some of those college fairs and the importance of establishing good relationships with the college reps you will meet in those fairs. Let's get started. Welcome to the College Metropolis Podcast. This is where parents of high school kids learn how to engage, guide, and empower their kids as they go through the college admissions process. And now your hosts, a college admissions pro and a college professor, Hankel and Anthony Cadavid. Before we begin, we would like to ask you a question. Did you already subscribe to the podcast? If you haven't, please Take a moment to click on the subscribe button on the platform you use to download this episode. Subscribing ensures that you'll stay up to date on new episodes. It also helps our show be found more easily by other people who may not be aware of it. You can also help our show greatly by letting other parents know about us and by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other platform you may have used to listen to the podcast. Your review will let those platforms know we are providing valuable content and it will help others find us more easily. Thank you. So, let's get excited. Episode 30. Episode what? 30. Yeah. What? When did that happen? It happened. It's here. Episode 30. This is the episode we're going to talk about the junior year checklist. We're continuing on with this junior year checklist. The steps every 11th grader should take for a strong college application. This is part five. So in this episode, we are going to persuade you to do some things that help the college admissions process become less convoluted, less stressful, less intense by following the steps that we're proposing to you. And this is the step where we suggest that you narrow down your list of colleges right it's at this point it's got to come to a moment where you you have to weed out the ones that you will not be applying to so so we told you that when you are a freshman a sophomore you want to make a list of colleges that you would like to go to we call that your initial list fast forward a couple of years now you are a junior and 
in just a few months when you become a senior and you are in your first, you know, in the very first weeks of your senior year, you are going to apply. Well, not not weeks. I mean, yeah, yeah, technically weeks, but it's more like a couple of months into your senior year. You're going to send those applications into colleges. So it is at this time as a junior that you want to begin to weed out the schools in your list, in your initial list of schools that should no longer be in that list of schools. You don't want to invest time and energy into schools that you have objectively looked at and said, hmm. We don't want you to spend time on schools that are not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. So how do you determine which schools should remain in your list of schools and which schools you should do away with because they are not schools that are a good match for you. So I'm going to fast forward here a little bit. And I am going to tell you that we do have some questions that we are going to remind you about. We talked about these questions on episode number 10. So if you haven't heard episode number 10, we would strongly suggest that you listen to episode number 10, where we go over the questions you should ask to see if a school is a good match for you or not. Episode number 10 is going to go through those questions again. We will we will sort of touch on each of those briefly. But the point to this is you are going to figure out what's important to you. Because in figuring out what is important to you, you are going to be able to identify the schools that have all of those factors that are important to you. Because see, when it comes to applying to college, usually people... They, they get this, uh, this idea that they're like little beggars and they're, oh, I'm begging you, take me, take me. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're going to rock and roll a little bit here. Mm-hmm. We're going to be little rebels for a second. Yes, you are asking them to admit you, but you are also gauging whether you should apply to that school or not. You have a lot of power. Not just, I mean, I'm not saying like you have all this power and go do something silly. But I am saying you should be demanding and you should only go after the schools that are a good fit for you. So if a school is not a good fit for you, because when you ask these questions we are going to remind you about, which we covered on episode number 10, if those schools don't have the things that you're looking for, then forget about them. Because if you do get accepted into a school that doesn't have the things you're looking for, and we're going to go over some things. They're not, they're not all academic things. They have to do with a vast array of things that are important to you. If those schools don't have those things and they accept you and you go to those schools, you might not feel you're getting the best experience. Your education is not just academic. There's a social component to it. There is this experience you get in a, in a campus. There is more than academics. And so all of that has to click. And so what are some of those questions? The first question is going to be the most evident would be location, right? And I want to to highlight for parents, this is key. This is a point at which you can truly get involved with your student and have an honest conversation that says, listen, this is where we are. This is where we are as a family This is where location-wise, this is where you want to apply to. How likely is it that it's possible? We have to figure everything out, right? 
we're not saying that at the junior year, this is the only moment you'll have this conversation. No, this conversation is continuous, right? We're trying to bring, bring you and your, the student closer through this experience. And having these conversations can really be an eye opener, especially for parents to see what desires, what motivates, what, what would be good, what things would be healthy for your, your soon to be adult going off into the world is maybe are they mature enough to handle moving 2000 miles away are they mature enough to handle their own apartment or should they be in a dorm should they be in a place where it's more controlled so all these things again are so individually focused on who your kid is and who you as a student are that Asking these questions is very critical to this process. Are you going to stay close to home? Are you going to take advantage of living free, kids, okay? <laughs> uh, living for free, not having to pay those additional costs for room and board. Because what mom, is room and board? Room and board is your a, a dormitory room or an apartment expense, a shared room expense, and board would be your meals. So when you... When you calculate the cost of your education, if you are going to live on campus, that cost of education is going to include your tuition and your room and board. Room yeah. and board is your living expenses, everything you're going to eat. If yeah. you live on campus, you're going to have your three meals, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, get, I'll get to those uh, more specifically. But in, in this case, when you think about location, think about the distance between home and school. Because a lot of people think, oh my goodness, I live in California, I want to go to New York. And then you forget that there's holidays in between. How often will you be home to visit? How, how are you going to afford all the plane tickets? So all those things are important to consider, right? If you're close to home, are my parents going to make me do all the chores at home still? As if I'm, <laughs> I'm still in high school? Or will I have that difference, right? Because it goes from being in a, in a high school student to a college student, but I'm still at home and I'm still crazy at home, not cleaning up my mess. So it again, depends on the student, depends on the parents, depends on the relationship built and the trust and everything that determines what would be the best choice for you. Um, is it going to be a downtown area? Is it going to be urban, rural? Is it going to be near mountains? Are you going to be in the middle of the desert? I don't know. No, it, it, there's not one specific answer for anybody, but you do have to consider all those things, right? Because transportation is important. What happens if you are, my goodness, in Timbuktu College? Yeah. And you have to go grocery shopping, but you can't because, oops, I didn't budget on a car or on yeah, the mean, bus passing. You're absolutely right. There, and, and we're not trying to persuade you one way or another. No, no. We're, we're just, just saying, saying you got to think about it. These are all important questions to consider. So the first thing that we suggest that you, when you're narrowing down your list, consider Location. These, these aspects that are very important when it comes to the school's location. The university, the university we went to is one hour away from Los Angeles. And it is sort of, you know, it's, a, it's in the suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. It's not in the downtown area. It's in the suburbs. It is relatively close to 
you know, there's there's a big old city next to it. Not not one of the large. It's not Los Angeles, but it's a mid-size, small to mid-size city. So you get everything you need there, sure. right? You get on a car, you get a ride. You could get to the nearest store and shop if that's what you want to do. Or you could just live on campus, not have to worry about anything else. Or take a bus because there's yeah, things Yeah, but around. it's all there. Right. Now, you- with that comes the following. On the weekend, you will not find a soul. That's not true. You'll find three people on campus <laughs> because everybody would, takes That off. would have been me. <laughs> and that would not have been me. I was out on yeah. weekends. I went to L.A. with friends and, and I never came. Uh, I never... I think the whole four, uh, six years I was there, uh, including my no graduate work, I already had an apartment there. But the the time I did my undergrad undergraduate degree, I think I stayed for those four years. I remained for three weekends on campus. But listen, for me, it was my home. I had nowhere else to go. But here's the thing: How did you feel to be on on a campus that was basically empty? Loved it. Loved it. Because I could study. So for because you, that I'm, worked. I, I was a social butterfly. Yeah. So I said, hello, hello, hello. Oh. <laughs> and even to this day, you tell me, please, please minimize the conversation. Minimize the talk. We got to prepare for the podcast. Yes. And yes. so the only time I could study truly without interruption of friends and their problems and, ooh, right. what are we doing next? And things like that or planning for things that never happened. I'm going to tell you that's the truth. Um, the weekends for me were magical. I could wake up early I, without feeling like someone just, you know, ran me over with an 18-wheeler. I could wake up on Sunday morning and study the entire day. Right. I could go to Walmart. I didn't have to worry about a friend asking for a ride because it was my little... It was so my, for you, that worked. For me, it worked yeah. because during the week, it was so hectic. But if you had stayed, for example, we had Gene Edelbeck on our, our show and I was I was going over the show notes for that episode, episode number six. And he is from Pacific Union College. Now, that is a beautiful college that yes. is in the middle of Anguin, California, which is it's 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 not near really. It's not it's not like the school we went to. This is no. more up in a it's kind of like in the what do we say in the mountains? I it's guess, a mountain yeah. area. Elevated, yeah. And so you would have had, that's a completely different campus from the one we attended mm-hmm. in that on weekends, you have basically the same amount of students as during the weekdays. Right. So for you, that would have been maybe problematic. A little bit. Right. Again, but I was a social butterfly. Yeah. And every time I saw somebody, I needed to find out what, how they were At doing. At the expense of your studies. Yes, because I would study long hours at night. And so, you know, I mean, you're a college student, so it kind of doesn't matter, even though today I wish I had slept more. In we, have, we have we have different, yeah, because we have kids now, now we don't, we oh don't my sleep. Goodness. But I'm the opposite. I am a morning person. I could get up at four and do whatever I need to do. But after 9.30, 9.45, 10 o'clock at night, my brain is done. just, I'm done. It, it shuts down. I could do stuff that don't require that doesn't require me to concentrate for long periods of time, but I'm not going to sit and read a book that late. Anyways, uh, so location is one question you want to you want to consider consider, and also don't forget go to episode number ten. We talked about these questions in in detail. Another question you want to consider is the type of school you want to attend. Are you thinking of going to a 
state school, a private school, a faith-based school. What type of school do you want to go to? There are differences, marked differences between state schools and private schools. One of those differences is the amount of people, the amount of students that are in those campuses. Most private schools have a lesser, a smaller amount of students, and the, the, the teacher-to-student ratio, it's usually a lot smaller. So you do have, for example, you do have 10 students for every professor in a private school. As well as services, right? Services. A, a lot of services, correct. Are, are, They're more customer service oriented. Right. Whereas in a state school, you may be having class with three or 400 other students all at once, at least one time out of the week. The rest of the time, those, that big old class gets divided into classes of 30 people each, but you will not be having class with the professor. You'll be having class with a teaching assistant. Who, is, who are also great professors in their own right, even sometimes even better than the actual professor. Mm -hmm. But the point is not whether one is better than the other. The point is which one is better for you. Those right. are decisions you will make as a student. And as Those a are decisions that parents will help students make. And, uh, and, and then there's the other, you know, do you want to go to a faith-based institution? We went to a faith-based institution. I don't know how much of it faith was the real reason we went there as much as it was a system that kind of had everything set up for us. And so it was really easy to say, you know, that's the logical progression to where I am in, at this point in life. I am already out of high school. There's a system that I trust, that I'm familiar with, and now I get to attend university. But that's not something that would be necessarily what, what the, you know, other people would think about. So that's something for you to decide. Another question to consider is or has to do with the types of programs the school offers. If you want to study business, if, if you want to become a business major, you have to make sure that the school actually offers a business program. So I see a lot of students in California, for example, and they say, I want to study business. And then they tell me the schools they want to go to, not realizing those schools don't offer business degrees. Hmm. And so they say, no, 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 it's okay. Because you know what they told me is I could study economics and then I could get a minor in business, right? Well, uh, yes and no, it's not the same. Economics is great. Economics is like a, you know, it's like a second cousin of business. It's part of business but it's not a brother of business. Those are kind of completely different type of degrees. Economics is cool because it teaches you how to think, but business is more about what to do, like how to do this. How to, yeah, It's very operational. Economics is very theoretical. So when I hear that, oh man, I cringe. And they say, yeah, I'll just get a minor. A minor means they're going to take, I don't know how many classes, that kind of have to do, and they do have some classes in management and whatever, but it's not the same as if they actually got a degree in business. Yeah, take the time to do your research and make sure the schools that are on your list have a shared passion for what you have. Yeah, that they have the program you want yeah. and that it is a strong program. Right. Because there are schools that have the program, but what students don't know is that that program at that particular school they might be considering might not be the best. is a small, little, tiny, itty-bitty program that is not strong, meaning it doesn't get most of the money, it doesn't get a large part of the annual budget from the school, 
It doesn't have perhaps a bunch of great faculty. They do have great some faculty members, but not Fantastic. the ones not the ones that are out there, you know, the doing world. amazing things mm-hmm. in those fields. So those are things to consider. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, cost of attendance. Cost of attendance covers everything from tuition to room and board, whether you're going to be in a dorm, whether you're going to be in a close, you know, on-campus apartment, things like that, and your food. Other things to consider, entertainment, transportation. I mean, how crazy is the school with fees for everything? Yes. Right? Parking. And they have them. They have those fees. Health insurance fees. They have a lot of the things that you wouldn't even consider, but they start popping up. Year two, you say, what is this fee for? I don't... What? And you will not be cleared to begin taking classes until you deal with those fees. Absolutely. And, and therefore, the more you know about the total cost of attendance, the better you are prepared to answer those questions, whether your family and your family unit can make that decision yeah. together. To- they can help you shoulder... That's what the cost of your full cost of education. Correct. And that's important when you're narrowing down the list of schools, because some schools are just going to be, you have to be honest when you're having these conversations. Mom and dad, yes, you've sacrificed a lot to get here. What can we do? Let's have those conversations. They're not bad to have. Right. They're not embarrassing to have. It's just let, let's see what we can do to get through this together. That's and that it. is where, you know, doing things like analyzing which schools have a history of giving you more institutional aid, which is the financial aid the schools themselves give you in School. addition to what the federal government mm-hmm. and the state government gives you. Correct. That's where that plays a big role. And some schools are more, more willing to do that than others. Right. Again, this is not the entire list of questions you should be asking This is a sample of questions, and we discuss them more in depth on episode number 10. Yes, and again, this is just some things to consider, and we're just, we're helping you narrow it down. So that first episode on episode 10, we're talking about getting nitty-gritty with the list, as many schools as you can, as much interest as you can, but now you're getting closer to graduation, which means parents, your kids are about to make the biggest decision of their life (laughs) so far. And students, you have to be mature enough to keep these questions in mind so that you can make the the best, again, the best fit choice for you. So you, yes, yes. And so you are asking those questions and you're trying to see, for example, well, I like this program. I have identified that some schools in my list of schools don't offer that program or they have programs uh, you know one school has a program that is nationally one of the best programs in the country so then that kind of helps you narrow down that list why is it so important to narrow down your list well we are going to try to get you to choose a list of schools that is well balanced what do i mean by that We are going to choose schools where you have a number of schools that will be kind of difficult for you to get into, but you still want to apply to them because some of those schools have a history of allowing students to be admitted who maybe didn't have the grades and maybe didn't have the SAT scores, but they had something the school wanted to see that year for that academic year, right? Right. You also want to have a number of schools that, you know, for you getting into those schools, it is probable you have a chance of getting in. I mean, it's you likely. know, it's likely that you will get in. 
But you also want, in your list of schools, you do want a number of schools, which for you, it's, it's kind of a done deal that you will get in because yeah. they have a history of admitting students that have your credentials. Right. And it's a good college mix. We just want a good college mix. And that's that what we list. want to do in this episode. Right. And so we already told you, you have a big, long list of colleges that you began with, more than 20 schools in general. You are going to filter those schools through these questions we shared with you, questions that are important to you. If the schools don't have those things that are important to you, then you weed out the ones that don't have it. Because at the end, and please, 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 please listen to us when we say this. I know that maybe someone told you you should go to a school. But here's the thing. As we have said many times before, no school is this magical beauty, great fit for everybody. That, that school doesn't exist. A school might be a great fit for one person, but because of the needs of another person, that same school might not be a good fit at all for another person. No school is a good fit for everybody. And we're trying to get you to find the schools that are a good fit for you. You are going to spend four years there. Education is much more than just what happens in the classroom. In great part, man, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Most of the things that made an impression in my life happened outside of the classroom. Yes, agreed. And so what if I had gone to a school that wasn't a good fit for me? Hmm. And I would have been exposed to events or things that happened on that campus that I just didn't care about. I would have been an outcast. I would have said, man, school sucks. Like I've heard many people say, you know, I, I, I feel so bad. I, I know friends that, you know, they paid private tuition to go to the school we attended and they had an awful time yeah. yes, because yes. the school we attended was a quarter system school that was very big on medicine. And so they tended to be tough. If you took sciences, if you did the math courses, the science courses, they were tough. Business was becoming that. When I finished my degree, towards the end, it got really tough. And so these, these people that, that, that were in my original class, my, in, my freshman incoming class, they had a tough time. Mm-hmm. I know a few of them who dropped out in the sophomore year. Yeah. And I, it was, it's tragic. I, you know? knew, I knew plenty of people, and then they walked out with massive amounts yes. of loans. That's so, it's, it's tragic. What we're doing in this podcast is, we're treating you like you are our family member, right? Oh, absolutely. We, are, we want you to know that if you were our kid, our cousin, our brother, sister, uncle, yeah. aunt, we will whatever. We're telling you the same thing we yes. will tell our family members. Because, because these are aspects of the college admissions process that sometimes are not considered only because... There's a rush to get in and get in and do. Right. And what we're trying to tell you is take your time. Make sure you pick it right. Just like if you were a spouse. Exactly. Take your time. Don't get, a lot of people say, don't get desperate, you know. Just ask the right questions. Find out as much information as you can. You don't want to get to a point that you've already started a relationship with this college and then it's harder for you to leave it than it is for you to stay. And you have mixed emotions and you're stressed and you're, you, don't need, you don't need that. The more clarity you have, the better student you are. The more focused you are, the less stressed you are about outside 
factors that can keep you from being absolutely successful. So the more you plan, the more you get to know the school, the more you get to get comfortable with what it is that you want to do yourself, your own passions, what drives you, what you want to see, what you want to experience. The more you do that, the better it is for you in the end. And if you don't know what major it is, listen, don't stress. You have two years to figure it out. And that's the beauty of the college experience. And here is the amazing thing. You happen to live in a country, well, those of you who are listening to us here in the United States, you happen to live in a country where we have just about 3,000 four-year colleges and universities to choose from, more than 4,000 overall schools, including you know a bunch of smaller colleges, but you have a bunch to choose from. So it's on you to try to get the school that is going to have all of those things that will make you an incredibly happy student. Okay, so once that you've identified some of these outside factors, right? Now let's turn the coin around a little, right? Because we could we could get a little crazy about saying that school's good, that school's not good, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Here's the issue. This is this is where it gets truly nitty gritty. Yes, let's... Right, let's, this is this next point. Let's get realistic. There you go. Let's no, go. And, and let me say something here. I said, I want you to be a truly happy student. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I mean, a truly well-rounded student yeah. is what I meant to say. All right, so... Let's look at admission requirements and let's look at the data from the students that those schools you are looking at accepted recently. So on every single school, there is something called the incoming freshman class statistics. And that is every school keeps a record of the GPA, the SAT scores or the ACT scores, etc., for all the students that were accepted as freshmen into the school year that that school is, is going through. So you want to look at that, and usually you find that information on the admissions website for any school. We are going to be looking at Occidental College, a moderately selective school, meaning it's, it's tough to get into, a college that I love and have a lot of respect for. So Let's go back to this. So look at the admission requirements for each school. Look at the acceptance rate. How many, what's the percentage of, of students who applied who actually got accepted? What were their SAT or ACT scores? What were their average GPA, right? So why is this important? Well, because you want to start comparing and that's going to allow you to gauge the chances you have to be admitted. You want to look at you know, male-female population, those statistics are, they should be available. Uh, available. Now, they could be on the website's admission page under incoming freshman class. There is also a document we have talked about in the past. It's called the Common Data Set. The Common, C-O-M-M-O-N, Common Data Set is a document that universities and colleges fill out every year. And... In that document, they basically share important statistics about that academic year. The incoming freshmen of that academic year. It tells you in detail stuff about their GPA, the ethnic breakdown of their student body, um, average GPA, you know, how many were white, how many were black, how many were Hispanic, how many were Asian. Why is that important? Well, it, you know, it could be important to you. 
something to consider. Right? It, it kind of allows you to paint a picture of what you could find in that school. Yeah, and and easily, you know, what type of scholarships are available? How much percentage of students that received financial aid? Right. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. So that is good information. Some of this information you could also find on Navians. So if your high school is one of those high schools that has Navians, which is an incredible cool. software that allows you to research schools and universities or colleges and universities, that inc- information could also be on Navians. And of course, your high school guidance counselor can be extremely helpful yeah. in trying to figure this out. And we're saying at this point, you're, you're thinking, huh, junior year, perfect. Hey, listen, by the time you're a junior, you're going to have your SAT scores. So now you can actually use it to determine and narrow down those schools because you'll know how well you did. You'll know if you need to take them again and you'll know where you lie with your GPA, you have a good idea of how you're going to finish strong the year. You have a pretty good idea of where you stand. So this is a good time to use the SAT and your GPA of your junior year to narrow down the list. It, it's a helpful tool. So after going through all your questions and answering in a very honest way, and when we say when we say that it's parent, you have to be as transparent with information as possible. Student, you have to be as diligent as possible in acquiring the information you need for each school. And you will have still several colleges on your list. Correct. And so once you narrow down your list, what we want to do is determine where your schools should be placed in these three groups. One group is what we call your reach schools. These are schools to which your chances of getting accepted are small. You still want to apply to them because sometimes they accept students that may not completely meet their grade and score criteria. And when I say score, I mean SAT scores. But they exceed whatever criteria the school has in other areas or needs. or needs. So for example, in that particular year, the school might have a need for someone that is very strong in, I don't know, music, and perhaps you are a music whiz or something along those lines. So you do still want to apply to those schools, but they're rich schools. So I want you to imagine like if you... Reaching for the stars. You know what? I'm just going to be very transparent here. I jump... And I could try to jump as high as, as I can, and I will not reach the rim on the basketball court. You know, the, the oh, I can't. I can't. You just hide it yourself. No, I, you know, I, I'm you, reaching. You know how I'm you reaching. Say, you know how you say you just aged yourself? No, you just heighted. I just heighted myself. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, if I, if I try really hard, no, babe, I, I could okay. slap it, you know? It's okay. But I can't hang from it. <laughs> Well, you're not, you I'm know. I'm reaching. I'm reaching, you know. You're not LeBron James. You're I'm not. not. <laughs> you're not. Um, I'm not LeBron James' l- younger, s- little, smallest brother. I'm not. I'm, just, I'm sure everybody <laughs> in the NBA is way taller than me. But anyhow, that's a reach school, right? We can't. It, it's, it's, it's a long shot. But we're still going to try. We're still going to apply because they have in the past admitted students that met some other criteria that perhaps it's not having to do with grades and SAT scores, but maybe you have something they need. Perhaps they need to fortify their volleyball program that year. Or they're, you know what, maybe you have 
a passion for geology and you have this podcast about geology and you have brought a bunch of guests and through your podcast, you have educated a bunch of other high school kids on geology through your podcast. And then when that school sees your podcast, they realize, wow, this person here is amazing. Has something of value this person, for us. You know, the grades don't, don't really reflect who this person is. Maybe this person is just not, you know, something happened and maybe they're not test takers, man. But I'm looking at what they created and it looks pretty amazing. And she is running the podcast and she talks with authority. She knows what she's saying. And there are videos on a YouTube channel. And, well, we need to fortify our geology program. Let's bring her in. Yeah. Things like that can happen. And they happen all the time. They do. They have happened. Yes. And so give yourself that chance. So we call those REACH schools. Now, you are going to analyze your chances by looking at the GPA and your test scores. Test scores meaning SAT or ACT scores. If your scores and your GPA falls within the bottom 25% of the GPA and the SAT and ACT scores of the most recent freshman incoming class, you know, those statistics we told you they have on their website, you could look at it. And if you fall within the, the bottom 25%, then that tells you those are reach schools. Your chances of getting in there are pretty slim. If you go to a place like, for example, Stanford, the bottom 25% of students get like a 3.85 GPA, <laughs> overall GPA. And that's like, wow, it's like a miracle they got in. Yeah. You know, everyone else is, is above that. So that, that tells you right there, if you have a 3.2, 3.5, you know, Stanford is a stretch. It's a, it's a, reach, a reach stretch sure. kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm being facetious. It's, it's a reach. It's a reach school. Now, if you fall within the middle 50% of all the GPA averages and the SAT and ACT scores, if your score is within that 50% that's right in the middle, you will have schools that may accept you. It's kind of a draw. You think, yeah, they, they, they might accept me because I fit. I meet most of the criteria. Yeah, so then that for you is a target school. The closer you are to the top the closer that becomes, that is closer to, you know, your chances of getting in are pretty good. The closer you are to the bottom of that list, well, the, the, the harder it is for, for that school to give you admission. And of course, the safety schools are the schools for which you sit on the top 25%. So when you look at their GPA averages, your SAT and ACT averages, you look at yours, you look at theirs, and you're right in that top 25%. So you, we call those safety schools. And what you want to do is you want to have three or four schools on each. Three or four schools that are reach schools, three or four schools that are target schools, and three or four schools that are safety schools. You don't want them all to be safety schools necessarily because, hey, what if... One of those dream come true schools could have accepted you, right? They if you could tried. if you had tried. So still try. Yeah. What do you have to lose? I mean, I, you, you could yeah. always ask for a, a fee waiver, right? right? So it's not, you're not even going to lose money. I mean, you are going to spend time doing an application essay and a few things, but apply. Sure. So that is why we need you to put time into this, is to have a list of schools that is really well-balanced. 
Yeah, and how how do you know whether a school is a reach school or a target school or a safety school specifically for you, right? And the best way to do that is you're going to compare your GPA and your SAT or ACT score to those of the most recent recent freshman incoming class at each of the schools on your list. So again, go on to the school's admissions webpage, incoming freshman class. Look at the common data set for each of the schools that are, is on your list. Naviance, like you mentioned, and again, we're going to highlight this because it's really important. Your high school guidance counselor can be absolutely useful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can be useful in helping you identify which schools should be designated as what on your list. Yes. Now, however, however, not every student is going to have high school guidance counselors that Agreed. would could actually spend the time going through this with them. So we are going to give you some tools that will help you do this. If the school has a cool admissions website and you type incoming freshman class, right? So if you go to the, 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 the university website, so for example, the one school that I am going to start talking about is Occidental College. And I will have links to, to everything we're going to talk about now on the, on the show notes for this episode. Occidental College is an awesome college. I love it a lot. That is the college that President Obama, when he was just Barry, Barack Obama, went to uh, this particular college for his undergrad degree. The more I got to know about it, the more I fell in love with it. It is a college, it's a liberal arts school that is incredible and known for preparing and educating a lot of people that go on to government careers. So they have an admissions website that is pretty amazing because they have all of that information for you. Okay, they have everything for you. They have all of those averages. Here is what Occidental College has. When you go to their admissions page and you go to incoming freshman class, again, I will have this on the show notes for this episode. It tells you right then and there. The median GPA, so the 50%, at the 50% line, the GPA for the incoming freshman class was 3.7. Okay, 3.7. So what does that tell you? Anything below 3.7, your chances for getting into Occidental College, well, that starts looking like a reach school, right? If your GPA is above a 3.7, then you say, I have pretty good chances. Now, let's analyze um, SAT and ACT scores. They tell you, the website tells you right then and there. You don't have to look too much further. In terms of the SAT scores for reading and writing, the mid 50%, the group that is in the middle 50%, scored between 640 and 730 mm -hmm. on their reading and writing. I'm not having to guess. This is all on their website. So what does that mean? If I score closer to a 700, if I... If I score more than 730, 
I know my chances of getting into Occidental are pretty good. If I score anything less than 640, they're not. Those chances are not good at all. SAT math, the mid 50% group got between 630 on their math scores, 630 and 730, between 630 and 730. So again, if I score less than 630, I am... Reducing that, my chances. Yeah, man. So, so this is what this means, right? So when I say 50%, I want you to break it into three parts. Top 25%, in the middle, you have a 50% group, and at the bottom, another 25% group. At the top, there's the top 25%, the middle 50%, and the bottom 25%. So the 50% group... That, those are people that in the SAT math scores got between 630 and 730. So if you get more than 730, you'll be in the top 25% group. Nice. If you get less than 630, then you are in the bottom 25% group. Yikes. If you are between 630 and 730, your chances are okay, I suppose. That, that's a target school. Sure. If you get more than 730, chances of getting admitted are looking pretty good. Anything less than 630, not so good. And so they have the same for, for the ACT scores. The 50% group, that is the group that got between 28 and 33. Anything over at 33, that is a school that gives you a good chance for admission. Anything below at 28, pretty tough, right. right? So you could do this for any school. So the bottom line is this. You need to narrow down your list of schools by asking some questions to yourself about what you want to find, what you want to see in the school that you attend, right? Those are the questions we went through. Then you want to take an honest look at yourself based on your GPA and your SAT or ACT scores. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are other factors that will play a role, but, you know, again, this is not an exact science, but we want to sort of get an idea for our chances of getting into a school. So, we could put the remaining schools in our list. We could place them either into the group that says those are rich schools for us or those are target schools for us or those are safety schools for us. Now, the same school might be a safety school for my wife, but it could be a target school for me because of, you know, we have different GPAs and SAT scores, etc., so those, again, we're talking about things that you do in the junior year. Let's move on to the next thing that you should do in the junior year, and that is speak to college representatives and go to college fairs if you can. Now, of course, because of COVID, you're not going to be able to go to college fairs, but you will be able to go to virtual college fairs. And that is where it's basically an online event where different college representatives do presentations and they talk about their schools and what you could find in their schools. And so by going to those college fairs and, and watching those presentations, you are able to see if those are schools that you want to actually attend. They sort of help you answer the questions you have that will help you weed out the schools that should not be on that list. When you go to those virtual college fairs, sometimes either they give you the, the email addresses or the phone numbers that you could use to contact some of those representatives. Sometimes you're able to actually contact them during the, the event itself. Please use those opportunities to ask questions 
and to make connections, make a good impression. You know, in as much as people tell you, you know, the representatives are not interested in, in making a connection with you, they are. And when they you make a good impression, those relationships could pay off beautifully in the future. Agreed. I will have links to five virtual college fairs. One is from this organization called the College Fair Guide. Another one is for the National College Fairs by National Association for College Admissions Counseling. Another one is the Virtual College Fairs website. Go to collegefairs.com and virtual presentations from the organization called Colleges That Change Lives. Love it. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. But before we go, we're going to do some takeaways. Takeaway number one, at the end of your junior year, this is a great time to narrow down your college list because you have access to a much clearer GPA and a much, uh, and they defined SAT score, ACT score. Number two, narrowing down your list will get you closer to your greatest fit school. Number three, use your guidance counselor when you can as a tool to identify which schools should be on your list and how to identify what schools those are. Perfect. Perfect. So before I close, I wanted to say thank you for listening. And please don't go away yet. I want to share something with you that caused me to get very, very happy. And that is that this particular podcast is being downloaded in 21 countries and 200 cities throughout the country. And so thank we want to say so thank you guys. Thank you so much. We want to reach out to as many high school students and parents. So please tell a friend, tell just one little itty bitty friend about us and spread the word. We are here for them. We, we hope that these messages that we have for you are making a difference. We are always open for suggestions. If there's something you want to talk about or you want us to talk about, please let us know. If you want to be featured on the podcast, let Reach us know. Us. Let us know. How do you do that? You could go to our website at the bottom of the website. There is a, a tab that tells you how to contact us. But you could also, at the top of the website, on the right-hand side, you have this tab that allows you to leave a voicemail. You could click on that. You could leave us a voicemail for 30 seconds. If you like to talk and you have more than 30 seconds worth of a conversation, do it again. And you could do it as many times as you want. What happens when you do that, that is those messages that you are speaking into your computer get transcribed and we get them as an email. So we'll piece it together and we'll see what your message is and we will respond to you. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you guys are being safe. And as I like to say at the end of every episode, please do everything you can to stay safe and please do everything you can to be a blessing to others. See you guys on episode number 31. Thank you for listening to the College Metropolis podcast on collegemetropolis.com.